0: Hi, I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani and I'm an oculoplastic surgeon with a special interest in facial aesthetics and also the founder of MZ Skin and this is the
1: Guinea Pig Podcast. Why are we called the guinea pig? Because that's what I am. I'm writer and journalist Fiona Golfar, and I'm here ready and willing to try out just about any treatment and treatment going. We are the breath that you take before trying anything out there. So if you're looking for an honest, no holds barred approach to invasive and non-invasive cosmetic surgery, then come join us from the clinic every Thursday on the Guinea Pig Podcast.
0: Hi everyone
1: and welcome back to the clinic for another episode of the guinea pig. Hi, and joining us today is founder of Beauty Stack and of War Nails, Shamadine Reed. I should I say of War Nails, but is War Nails still Thanks for having me guys. <laughs>
2: um, I closed War Nails last year July, but it's still legendary, so surely everyone knows that I
1: You are you are really. a legend.
2: I'm not a legend, but Wa War is legendary, very much so.
1: And when I was at Vogue, I started hearing about one Else because some of our editors were coming to see you and coming back with your kind of amazing creation. So, Shamadin, tell me a little bit about your story, like how you came into the beauty business, how WA well came to become such a thing and what's evolved since then.
2: So, the shortest version is that I studied fashion communication at Central St. Martins. I actually always since I was 12 years old, wanted to be a stylist and creative director. I didn't really know what those titles were, but I knew I would look at a picture and and I'd be like, I want to make the picture. I don't want to be in the picture. How interesting. So from age 12 to 18, I crafted my whole schooling based on going to Central St. Martins only. Um, Started there in 2003, but before I actually started my degree, I interned for Nicola Formichetti and Kim Jones and then throughout my whole degree I only worked for them so I felt like I had the best education. <laughs> Nicola was one of the early people to do street casting so he taught me a lot about learning about tribes and subcultures and referencing and basically how to construct a picture.
1: I think for anyone listening who might not know who Nicola is, he has been incredibly um, important as well. Apart from anything else, he was creative director for Lady Gaga through all of her kind of more interesting looks. The earlier really kind of crazy meat dress and all the rest. And with Diesel, he's worked and with some of the really top. So he's a kind of creative director. Come stylist, come visionary. He's
2: a total visionary. Yeah. But I worked with him when he was at Dazed and Confused as like a young fashion editor. Okay. So I just saw I, like raw creativity. I absolutely loved it. In my second year of my degree, I wanted to learn the computer program. So I made War magazine as a way to learn how to use InDesign and Photoshop. And I was living this really double life, like going to, um, you know, hip hop clubs at night and then going to St. Martin's in the day, spending my student loan on either Vivian Westward or Primark. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I made this magazine and it started to open me up to this very cool street hip-hop world in London and beyond, actually. Does what stand for anything? It stands for We Ain't Hoes. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I was 19, so, you know. And then... Um, what happened was then I worked... Nicola, in my year in industry, said, well, why don't you go and work at Arena Home Plus for Jaron Furnace? So Jaron Furnace was the editor then. There was, like, Grazia and Heat magazine and Love and Katie Grant's crew were all in the same building, and that was my first, like... I'm, like, fully in publishing and magazines. I'm literally living my dream life. Then I go back to school and graduate. I graduate with a first-class degree... Then I immediately start working as a stylist, mainly for editorial. Um, I was, like, young, right? So I was just starting out. But then I got a lot of work with Nike, which essentially flew me around the world. So I was going to Asia a lot, the home of beauty. I was going to LA and Asia and New York, and I was 23, 24. My world was just opened up massively to experience outside of just pure fashion so like going to nightclubs there going to salons and spas there and when you go to Asia the hospitality is just on another level and that's when I started to really think about my love of beauty because I wasn't really a beauty product consumer but I'd always love going to like the salon and getting stuff done so with hip-hop getting your nails done is very much part of the culture you know, having some long, crazy airbrush palm tree pin, printed sunset nail. But then going to Tokyo, I would see Japanese now culture, which was like more cutesy and like kawaii, right? So I was like, how can I merge like Japanese now culture, which was the biggest now culture in the world, like strongest now culture, with hip hop vibe? with fashion with a studio arty thing and I was like I'm good yeah yeah, but that's what made it so popular is that it was completely different to anything anyone has ever known so when I was 24 I had the idea to open war um just purely based on a negative experience do you know what I actually wanted your nails I wanted a Dior double French do you remember Dior always used to have a half moon and a tip, so a, like a nude or a white now with a red tip and a red half moon. And I went to my local salon to try and communicate that, and they just weren't interested. They weren't even trying to listen to what I wanted.
1: It's like going to a hairdresser and asking for a Marcel wave. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like it's or, or an Artie Mullet. Unknown techniques.
2: Like an Artie Mullet. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the person wouldn't do eventually did do my nails but it was so stressful i remember my boyfriend at the time who's now my son's father um picking me up and i got into the car with him and slammed the door i was so angry and was just like i'm gonna open my own nail salon literally <laughs> i just said it like that and that was christmas 2008 so i opened it june July 2009 because that's how i work i know no, absolutely crazy where was it So it was in Dalston, two minutes from my house. Dalston didn't have an overground. The flat white didn't exist. The iPhone wasn't ubiquitous and Instagram wasn't alive. So it was like a very different... I feel like I'm lucky to have been on the cusp of like old and new. um, Like really through that transition period of how culture and beauty and fashion have been communicated from offline and online. So, yeah, that's it, really. And then WA just became incredibly popular, but really because of my networks in fashion. So I already had a ready-built-in audience, right? Because all the girls in the building was like, what's that girl on the third floor working on? Yeah. And people would come from West London in, like, black cabs to Dalston, to the depths of Dalston, to get their nails done.
1: But also, because when I grew up, and my mum, who was never not, happy to have an acrylic nail she used to have these acrylic nails that she used to get so cross that she'd flick her hands and the nail would fly off her and come <laughs> her acrylic nails are always flying across the room I remember mm-hmm. my mum but so acrylic nails really have that sort of connotation of either in our household it was like J with jewish with a capital j yeah right that kind of very brassy hair the acrylic nails and you took something that was that sort of hip-hop culture and how do you think what was the first? Did you go on a shoot? Did did some? Did you
2: do a model's nails? What? What? Because then you ended up going in with into bleach, didn't you? So two things there. Nails pre-war were definitely associated with either a very working-class culture mm-hmm. r- across multiple races, or they were very she-she. like you know, let's go to South Molton Street and get our nails done. There was no middle ground there. So for me, it was about. It was no different to what I was doing in fashion with referencing things, right? If you look at how a style, you know, a traditional good stylist does their work, they look at post-war working class subcultures and turn it into a shoot. That's how the whole Mm -hmm. industry has been built off is referencing. All I did was essentially reference a culture um, because I didn't grow up with nails being done.
1: Like, no one in my... No, I mean, my mom did, but nail nails, nice nails. No, no, but even... Oh, no my God, did. my nails. whole
0: life I've been doing my nails. Oh, Since I mean, no one... I did owned, my own really. nails until I was um, in college and I would always use my allowance. I had a weekly manicure and every other week a pedicure in Washington. And yeah, I went to so the down. same... No, you I you wasn't. I American went to that same... And you same also have that different cultural background, yeah. I think. But
1: I think the average English girl... Wouldn't no, you know, when a girl. I moved
0: here, I remember... There I there mean mean I used to pay, like, $25 to have my nails done, my manicure and my pedicure. I moved to London in 2006. Really really yeah. And it was like 160 pounds, yeah. 100 and yeah. some pounds. I was like,
2: what? Totally. Where's the place around the corner that yeah. I can go to? There was to? no yeah. place around the corner. No. So there was, well, there was, but you, they'd Not always in my be in Dalston or Brixton, exactly. Yeah. So you'd either have this really uptown nail experience. And they or weren't really even downtown. nice. Yeah. So I was like, where's the middle ground here and how can I mix the two? and the thing that actually made us take off was I went to a trade show and bought a pack like you know like a um, QVC style stand of tat there was a pack of nail art pens that like was just terrible packaging everything but I was like watching him and I was like hmm I can do the latest Marc Jacobs print with that now that's literally what I thought and then I bought the pack and I took them home and I practiced doing a leopard print and I did a leopard print and I put it on Facebook because again Instagram didn't exist and everyone just went crazy for it I hand painted a leopard print with um, a fade underneath so I did a yellow pink purple fade and then I drew the leopard print over the top I still have that picture because I want to see it it was our first ever picture and it blew up and I also painted the front of the shop bright pink and I put Warnow's coming soon. And then I put like gallery, fanzine, cl- vintage clothing. I just made it up. <laughs> but you've got to remember the 55 bus route, which went from Hackney to central London. Oh my God, you like a marketing genius, Shamadi. Went past the shop and there was no <laughs> overground. And no Uber. So to get to town, they he, had, to pass you. had to pass the shop. So I painted it so you could see it from the top deck of the bus. Everyone who worked in fashion got that bus route. And all the Central St students, because it dropped you off outside Central St Martins in Soho. So, yeah, like, that's why on opening day, it, it took us like two months to build the salon. On opening day, it was crazy because of the combination of that picture on Facebook plus the bright pink. And actually, I met Alex Brownsell. She came into the shop and she said, I've always wanted to have a shop like this. And I said, why don't you have two chairs in the back of my shop? So, Bleach opened up on our one-year anniversary in the back of my store and we've been like super close friends ever since. I saw Sam the other day. Yeah. So, yeah, 10 years later, Warren and Bleach. To me, it was like War was like little Kim and Bleach was like Courtney Love.
1: I, all I ever wanted to do was go to Bleach. I could never get an appointment. Yeah. And my friend Fran Burns and is really yeah, good Fran and with Alex are really close. And I was like, I'm a friend of Fran. Can I have an appointment? Because I just, just love that kind of bleach, white yeah. toned hair. And she's so crazy. I could never. I was never cool enough. You are cool. You're, you're always cool, cool. I was, but I'm
2: going mean, now I know you. It's the I feel West cool. London vibe. Right? It's really funny because I've moved to West London three, four years ago, and I now understand the d- divide between East and West. Because when I was living in Dawson, I was like, why do I never see anyone from West London in East or vice versa? I never go East now. So far. It's so and far. And everything on. I need's in West.
1: <laughs> but yeah, That's, <laughs> that's because you brought just, it West.
2: You were just in the West London crew. She probably was like, She's who is not she? having any of me, yeah.
1: And Fran is East. So, yeah. What do you think about Shellac?
2: I think I remember when Shellac came out. Like, I distinctly remember... Two innovations in nails, which, you know, one of them changed the game forever and one of them didn't. The, uh, the one that didn't was Minx. Do you remember foil nails? Yes. You stuck the piece of foil on, a bit like this nail sticker, and it would. It was the first thing to give you a truly chrome effect on mm. nails. Beyonce pioneered in an Upgrade You music video and then it became crazy. And then the second one was gel polish and CND... I believe, were the first people to essentially distribute it amongst salons. And I remember practicing with this gel, and it was quite tricky at first because the viscosity is completely different to polish. It took a while to get used to it, but then when you have it done, you're like, oh my goodness, it's not chipping. That's like, such an wow. incredible thing. I that? literally remember being yeah. like, it's not going. Well, this is crazy, considering that polish chips, you know, a week or so. I don't think I've worn natural nail polish for probably about four years. Really? Yeah. I just, it's point to me, it's a wasted exercise
0: I wish I could say that. I do love gel. I almost I never gel. use it, mainly because I peel it off, and I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah. So I find it very difficult to have something that I can't get rid of in the privacy of my own home. And it, it, when it starts to peel, like, our chips even a little bit... I go nuts, and the la- and the only thing I want is all of it to come off, and yeah. I find a way to peel all fun of them that, off. That bit there?
2: Peeling like It's, it's, it's really bad, though. Bad. Right? It's really it's so bad. bad. It just stresses your nail plate so much. Um, I haven't even said the word nail plate for ages. <laughs> I've done a Grow
1: Gel, I think, online. Grow Gel, which you'll
2: just be a brand. You sent me
1: to. Okay, so said just, it can grow out and you can fill it in there.
2: Yeah, so. It will be, like, a version of the same product, which is gel polish. Okay. And then what, what do you
0: ra- How do you rate, like, these um, natural nail polishes or, like, I don't know, the ones that are supposed to have nothing nasty in them? I don't actually know what's nasty in nail polishes. So I'm a little ignorant so on that level. So there's
2: five chemicals that are nasty... formaldehyde i can't name them all off the top of my head okay
1: the formaldehyde so if you can't pronounce them they're bad yeah
2: formaldehyde's like the big one but so um, all nail
1: polish has formaldehyde
2: not all because most nail polishes today should be five free like as a standard so like OPI. they should be there was a big shift um probably around I'd say six years ago when you were... It's almost like organic food. Do you remember when organic and there was a big organic label and a whole organic section in the supermarket? But now it's just normal. Um, it was the same with five free Like everything was being labelled as five free as a special thing or vegan as a special thing. But now... It's become industry standard. I'm mean, enjoying this conversation because I haven't talked about nails for so long, <laughs> but I'm so far removed We're from We're going to talk about some other that things that I actually I don't really know. But to be honest, like any product on your nail is obviously a chemical, right? No I, As yes. in, like, we are made up of chemicals as human beings. So any ad- additive thing to you is going to be chemical. And I think that sometimes. The beauty industry relies so hev- heavily on marketing to differentiate itself from its competitors that it can be really hard for the customer to
0: discern to
2: discern f- what's correct and what's not. And I think that that's such a shame. But if you want to, it's like eating meat. You know, you can eat organic, free range meat, but the fact is you're partaking in the meat industry, which in itself <laughs> is <laughs> is not great for the planet. So I think. It's about making informed choices and accepting what you can, what you're comfortable with and what you're not. So
0: tell us now about Beauty Stack.
2: Kill. Cool. So at WAH, as I said, I was um, very heavily on Facebook mobile uploads. I had a BlackBerry phone and I would take a picture of every single nail and it would generate loads of interest and bookings. And then I remember buying an iPhone for the nail salon and... Um, got the iPhone to take better quality photos and I would upload them to Tumblr. I couldn't afford a web developer at the time, but the special thing about Tumblr, which I realize in hindsight, was it had a back-end network of millions of people using it. So if if I'd made my website on Wix or GoDaddy or anything like that, I wouldn't have had millions of people reblogging the pictures because I would have had to rely on someone Googling us, finding the website and inquiring on a website. Does that make sense? Yes. Whereas what I'm using is a networked image-based blogging platform where if you post a piece of good content, it gets distributed for you. So I was taking all of these pictures of our nails every single day. And a huge insight I found was that Salons create so much content and it doesn't go anywhere. So in the salon, let's say we had 50 customers that day, you would take about six pictures per customer, if not more. You'd take a video, you'd take it to different angles. And that they, those pictures go nowhere because you only post one client a day on Instagram, like the best one of the day. Yeah. So I was like... Posting all these pictures on Tumblr made us internationally famous. I was flying all over the world setting up pop-up nail bars and everyone would say, what is that nail? How did you do it? How much does it cost? How long does it take? Can I have it on my nails? Here's a picture. And I was just like, it would be so much easier if you could just book our Tumblr account. If you could go on our Tumblr or our Instagram and book a picture, like, it would save me so much. I want that. So i built it babe so i was like i'm gonna build that <laughs> that's what i mean so, i mean you look at it and you go oh, i want that and then you and oh you, yeah, yeah totally. you built it for me so i was like i'm just gonna build that because i need that for my own salon our salon was so unusual in its like notoriety and our complicated process that i thought if i can make a booking system for war i can make one for anyone and what I mean by that is, you know how every single design is different? Our pricing structure is different. The pr- like, it was just really complicated. It wasn't like having a salon menu with like manicure pedicure, acrylic nails. It was like an infinite uh, combination of designs. So I opened a new Wa Salon in Soho. I got it up and running for nine months. And then I said, bye, guys. I'm going to see if I can build a tech company. And then that's what I did. And I set about to build Tumblr for beauty to begin with. Um, So we built a website builder with networked sites. And then I realized after three months of developing that, I was like, oh my goodness, this should be an app. (laughs) So then I spent a year developing the app. We released the first version, the very basic janky version, October 2018. So I found it really challenging but I think that not many people, if none that I can that I know of, who've built beauty booking systems have actually ran a salon before. So I'm trying to take that experience of running a salon, plus being a millennial, plus actually being a salon owner who's had to build her business on social media, because that's a very different proposition so, what, so to summarise, I'm essentially trying to make a social network plus booking platform in one system.
1: Which is what I've been using. I've been using BeautySat to, um, to get my nails done. And I've been finding it very easy. You go on it, you click on the thing that you like, you pay up front some money towards it. And then you pay the rest when you finish. But you've also expanded from nails. I think you've gone into... You've just gone into browse and other we,
2: So it's easy for you right now, Fiona, because you know what to book. It's incredibly difficult if you don't know. So for the last year I've kept it a really small closed network. I've basically kept built it for my friends. Right. For um beauty professionals that I know directly and we have a wait list of over a thousand beauty professionals who want to join it but I've only let 50 on because everywhere in the world or just I'm I'm going now I'm
0: installing it I want to see yeah, how yeah, easy it see. is while we're on um... well
2: don't don't do because there's a, a really long sign up process oh, so okay. what what you see now is what we built basically two a year or two ago and we're about to relaunch the app which is super exciting Like I said, I built the first version for me and my friends for a small group of beauty professionals who i know we've had nails brows um we've had personal trainers massage therapists we've had lash extensions we've even had reiki all of these are vetted by you that's why i only have kept it at 50 and what we're doing for the launch is open access for everybody i needed to test these first people because i needed to learn from them what they need from an app. It's really hard for me to launch an app in a way that where, where other tech founders who are not well known in whatever industry they're launching in can afford to essentially go into a room code something and have no one know about it until it's really ready i feel that because i of what everyone was watching what i was doing next i think
1: there's always that but it's the second album
2: yes mm-hmm. so i'm like ah. so everybody's watching me so just know that whatever the you product do have is an amazing see,
1: reputation and i think that comes with the you know there's there's the what burden of really? having a good reputation so
0: where can you do this only in london or can you do this i mean have you expanded to different cities not yet So this is your tester.
2: What you see right now today, as in the day we're recording this podcast, is the beta version, which means it's a very small closed network of almost everyone on that platform, the most active users I'll know personally. What we're launching, and we're really excited to launch, is incredible search filters, preferences. So you can search near me, but you could also search French tip near me. Yes. Um we're launching what you can see what your friends are having so like if I know you've booked that and it pops up on my feed I can I like there's a trust there because you've had it and been to that person I don't need to like vet them how how do you know what what to call things so like oh that's my favorite
0: bit oh (laughs) so like creating a beauty taxonomy right now I'm on this on the app and they're these, like, absolutely super cool nails that I can't explain. So, like, if I wanted to, you know... I what don't, does the description say? Torty dreams. Oh, okay. But I would
2: never know to come up with that name. Because tortoise is a trend in nails right now. Tortoise nails. So she's called that style tortoise dreams, but actually, if you'd seen a tortoise shell nail, you would search tortoise shell nails. And if you can see, I'm clicking the tag tortoise nails, and her nail has come up. Now, if I'd search tortoise, let me see if someone else has someone tagged it. I can see all the tortoise nails across every practitioner. Uh. Now, this is something that, like, let's say you search a hashtag on Instagram, and then you go to the
0: place, or they come to you.
2: It's a mix. Right. If you imagine like Airbnb style, we're a facilitator rather than a provider. So even now, people still message me saying... Today, someone messaged me saying, can I have two um, shellac in Soho? And I had to reply back today on the way here on the tube saying, we're not on salon, but if you search... So there, look, I've searched tortoise. You can see every tortoise now. I want to ask you, I'm just going to come off beauty...
1: Start for a minute and ask you, what are the trends in nails at the moment?
2: So, what t- are you seeing? tortoise is a big one. What you've got is actually incredibly popular, but with a neon tip. Yes. Because as you get I older... I've done like that for Nike. Yeah. But as you get older, you want to maintain a bit of cool. Yes. But you don't want to be the person in a neon jumpsuit. No, but that's so, exactly
1: how I feel. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that because I am older... And I'm in my late fifties, and you're in your much I'm definitely not 35. in your late. You're definitely not older, but I still by the way. want to be playful. Yeah. So in a way, being playful for the last whatever ten years, been a trainer, right? Mm. So I can dress quite a classic, but yeah. I put a pink trainer on, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I'm I'm a little bit something, not tragic, and. I feel the same way about the nails. I was looking at the girls who did Caddy, for example, who did mine at, what's her salon called? Nuka. Nuka. Isn't it funny? I love Nuka Nails. (laughs) And it's on Portobello Road. And I go there. And I actually, not only do I learn about kind of what's cool in nails, but I don't feel ridiculous doing this because it's playful. So I've had the Swarovski crystal on my nail. I had black nails with a bit of a diamond. I've had... This, um, this kind of like a French manicure, but today I've got kind of blood red, but I'm thinking of going neon next. So I feel that it's a really fun thing to do. It's kind of like the last hurrah in a mm. way that I can do for nails. And I'm also, when we met a few months ago... You just had your brows microbladed. Oh yeah. Which I want to talk a few things, Beauty, with you. I I think we've given nails a lot of love. And I want to talk about your skincare because we haven't had anybody with dark skin on the show before. So (gasps) you told me that you put I know you were telling me that you use you grew up using coconut oil on your skin, which is
2: Tell me what your kind of... So wait, let me unpack all the things so that you said. There's so many things so I want firstly, to I mean, nails are
1: fascinating.
2: Firstly, your nails is just one thing that you can use as an expression of your identity. By the way, she's still on the app. i I love i love nails and unfortunately because of what i do i have very
0: boring (laughs) um, i mean i always look at colorful nails and i get super excited and it brings me great pleasure but as a doctor i find it like impossible to have colored nails just because i don't think it's very professional
2: can i tell you something cool i just don't
0: what 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 can i do a
2: really extreme trend in nails is tattooing your nail bed so there is a girl in LA, Soto Gang, who's a tattoo artist, but specializes in like really feminine, I
0: didn't sexy. even know that was what, a thing. What
2: you can do is she tattooed Louis Vuitton logos on her girl's nails. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is it grows out. So oh, tattoos, it's actually on the nail. She ta- she tattoos your yeah. nail plate in colour, and oh then it. Oh my co- god! So you have no product on your nail. It's so unique. Let me okay. show you. I do that in flowers. Yeah, yes yeah. I would do more cami flowers yeah. on my nails. So you could have it on flat, but it's like a forever. Not a forever. It's a however long Until it takes nail your nail on. plate to grow out. So what is that called? If you search Soto Gang on Instagram, she's only done it for a few people, but it's amazing. But the point is, is about nails. Nails is just one thing in beauty that's an expression of your identity. It's the way you can say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is the tribe that I belong to. And that's why I'm obsessed with it. Like what you were saying earlier about colored hair, just being like, do you know what? I work in a bank, but underneath my hair, I've got a stripe of rainbow and no one knows about it. It makes you feel that...
1: You're a rebel. You know, you're still <laughs> part of something. you have an identity you you've, an you've identity. taken
2: identity. Yes. And it's the thing that I've cared about the most in fashion. I didn't care about going to shows or buying more handbags. What I cared about the most is the things that we use to express our identity. It keeps you yeah. looking cool. So, you know, I think there are many... Things in beauty that can help you feel that you you have a self-identity. Yeah. So then the other things you're saying, I had my eyebrows microbladed.
1: They look amazing. The
2: one thing that changed my life. Absolutely. I was like, why did I wait so long? I went to Rachel Pittman. Actually, I found Rachel Pittman really early on in Beauty Beautystat because I was just... I hadn't even built the app yet. I found her because I was just looking for practitioners who were doing very specialist stuff. I think that beauty is all about going to experts in one field rather than going to a salon where you can get brows, waxing nails, whatever. Mm. And just finding the person who only does brows or only does nails or only does lashes. So I found her online. She was doing microblading. And we met, and I was interviewing her, doing my customer research. And then she said, I'll do your brows if you want. I was like, okay. I kind of wasn't sure, very nervous about it. When she did it, I felt, oh, it's hard to explain. I literally felt human again
1: i think having the be- the right brow it's a very specific thing
2: it's so yeah but it i frames had the no, entire face. i had no brows before i've been penciling my eyebrows since i was 15 years old this was like a revelation, revelation for me so she did them love them they lasted a year and a half maybe longer actually and then I sent everybody to her. I've probably sent her so much business. And she's so professional. Everything, she, she's just the perfect practitioner. I just perfect. She was
1: very interesting to talk to because I, I mean, I went to a very, very good um, person who does brows, who's done brows for years. And I think there's, it's a real difference. Somebody who can shape a brow, tint a brow, and somebody who can microblade a brow. And I had my brows microbladed by probably not somebody who should have been microblading so i sent a photograph of my brows because you told me about rachel and i sent a photograph of my of my brows to her and she said you know when you when you have it done and it's not done right you have to give it at least a year to fade because or you have to have quite a kind of uncomfortable kind of bleaching, Lightning process, lightning process That's which is I expensive.
2: Do.
1: So I'm waiting for mine to fade and go back to her.
2: She's amazing because she's so thorough and she has like a two month wait list and doesn't care about take. She doesn't take on anybody unsuitable. You know, when somebody says you're not right for this treatment, it's like a real integrity that she has she just won't do it just because she she can i was was honored the thing about rachel which is really cool is she comes from a fine art background which is where i found my early nail artists and it's about this cross-pollination of um experience that i think makes someone incredible at their work also, I went back and had them done again a couple of months ago, as I said, and she completely improved her technique. She actually done my brows completely differently, but even better. It was almost like an acceleration. You were happy and then she made you even more even happy. I love that. Somebody it, who's perfecting, perfecting their craft. Perfecting their craft. All the time. And you know, like when you look back at your eyebrow shape like 10 years ago and you're like, oh my, oh my goodness, God. I can yeah, believe yeah, I sh- yeah. what was I thinking? It was almost like that. I was like, oh yeah, she's made them even better. So yeah, can't rate microblading high enough. And my beauty stack, which is why I called beauty stack, beauty stack, is right now I'm wearing a wig from Cypher. Uh, she's the, I've never worn a wig before. I've always worn extensions with my own hair. I wanted to stop wearing extensions because I was straightening my natural afro too much, heat damaging my curls. So I started wearing braids. I wore them for two years, and I was like, I kind of just miss straight hair again, but I don't want to straighten it. She made me this wig, and you love it, don't you? You love it. I love it. It looks
1: beautiful.
2: And then the next in my stack is my brows, as I said, and then my lashes. I get lash extensions because I just like to wake up and do as little as possible. Um, Then, in terms of my skin, people always comment on, as we discussed black skin being more youthful looking. But genuinely, I just think we got a head start on the moisturising. Because when you're black, your mom moisturises your face from the day you're born. Like cocoa butter, coconut oil, it doesn't matter it's just universally called cream <laughs> and it's like even cream from the kitchen just cream just cream from wherever and you know something my son who's mixed race his dad's Irish Italian oh well, Irish, Irish Cape Malay actually and i'm jamaican indian and he's mixed race and every morning i cream his face and he hates it i actually put jasmine oil you know the herb herbivore well, It's so expensive i put it on his <laughs> face it's just because i love the smell but like i'm like have you brushed your teeth put your shoes on put your school coat on brush your teeth and the very last thing i do before we leave the house is no not like that it's a very black thing to just smear it, and he's like... Urgh. But he does it, and that's what keeps his skin good. And then I, he goes to his dad's for three days, you know, half the week. And then you can see. And he difference. gets crusty, and then he <laughs> comes back, and then I've got to moisturise it again. I don't
1: think you're still using coconut oil on your skin. What are you using on So
2: I do use coconut oil, but very pure coconut oil, literally from Jamaica, a woman. Every time I go to Jamaica, I will buy it from the market where they've literally... Grated the oil, dried it out, everything, and they transfer it to a rum bottle, and that's how you can carry it back to England. I use coconut oil when my skin is incredibly stressed, like if I get stress rash or anything. But typically, the things you want to (laughs) hear, I use vitamin C, the SkinCeuticals one, the ferulic. I use a hyaluronic acid. Don't really care which one. I'm pretty low maintenance. I use an SPF occasionally.
1: Issues.
2: Yeah, on my chin, lower mouth. If I pick a spot, it will scar for a long time and that bothers me. So I picked, I got two stress spots you two picked. weeks ago. But before this, the scarring goes dark. The scarring goes dark, and then I have to wait for the cycle. I just started using a retinol for the first time. Congratulations! Only last week. I know everyone's happy for me now. Um,
0: Welcome to adult skincare. I know
2: I'm literally an adult now. So I'm using the ferulic, the retinol, and any hyaluronic acid, and very, and then a night oil or a coconut oil, if my skins stressed. There's uh, a little bit of Profilo in there. I'm oh thinking, yeah, just... Was, Ooh, like, Secrets are coming do you out. Mean, I actually forgot about it. So That's how good it is. I did it because you told me to. So I listened <laughs> to... I did of it course because I do whatever Mariam tells me. I heard me. it on the podcast. Thank you very much. So I heard it on the podcast. Because I'm terrible, The re- another reason I founded Beauty Stack is because I'm terrible at scheduling. I hate it, Bane in my life. So when I was just going to get my uh, a facial, I'd spoken about it before, and I go to Skin and Sanctuary in Victoria Park. It's one of the most beautiful um, clinics. It's, I love going there. And I had a facial because I was just tired. And then she was like, "Do you actually want to do it now? Because you've been talking about it since." the pretty <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, cool." And then I had to check the dates because they have to be exactly twenty-eight days, I think, or something. There, for,
0: the, they don't have to be exactly, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I,
2: I was check check the dates. So I had it done, and but I've, I haven't had my second shot yet.
1: But you were enjoying it. You wrote me and said.
2: Yeah, I think I look good. Yeah, I think you look good you, too. Well, you are beautiful, so... <laughs> but it's hard for I me to tell. I do think there's a kind
1: of hydrated thing that I notice. Mm. I mean, I've only... I haven't seen you that many times since we had breakfast. I think I look pretty
2: normal right I think now. you look great. But I think this is normal for me. Okay. I think in when I have the next one, plus I've just started eating clean again um, for the first time in like six months, I think the combination of eating clean plus gym plus Profilo you'll make a goddess you're
1: already a goddess. Right ready
2: for summer i started beauty step because i genuinely love being in the hands of a practitioner mm-hmm. i just think that it's i do too so soothing. i do too <laughs> I think <when laughs> that's you, why we're here because we you know what it is i'm from wolverhampton my family aren't here there's something about like I have a lack of intimate, t- like human intimate touch, and that's and care and just generally like I'm not about going to the. You want to be touched, <laughs> definitely. Be cared for. It it's, it's very important, it's of course. I just think that this industry, and I mean the full spectrum of the industry, from wellness and fitness and beauty and everything is actually a social good. I think historically, humans have always had grooming um, rituals to some degree. And I think that what we do is literally a national service. And I feel like when I lie down on a bed, doesn't matter what's being done. It's like my body just goes, and I just feel like... A little
0: bit of me time, of course.
2: Do you know what it is as well? It's a bit of surrender for me. It's the, like... Surrendering to somebody else when so you're nice. so busy all the time. So yeah, I just when you surrendered to treatment. somebody
1: else, you went straight to sleep. We mm-hmm. took you to Joanne Evans, Mariam. Mm-hmm. You were like, because Mariam's in control of everything. This is her empire, and we took her to Joanne Evans to have a facial. I fell and, and you she fell was asleep. Yeah. within thirty
2: seconds. <laughs> it's like when someone goes on holiday and then their body just starts shutting down because they don't. They can't even not even compute it you
0: know oh I love it I mean I'm super happy to let anybody take control for an sure. hour or two whatever I love
2: it. Sharmadine,
1: thank you so much thank for you this was very Yes. so much. Yes, thank, thank you
0: and thank you for creating a necessity I love this podcast thank you, you guys keep doing what we're oh doing thank, you so thank,
2: so. well, thank, thank you so for much well thank you so much for coming thank you for having me the guinea pig provides unbiased information to those who may be considering cosmetic surgery or even trialing a non-invasive treatment or product we do not in Endorse the use of any product or procedure featured in this podcast and are not responsible for the outcome of any of the treatments featured on this podcast or damage caused in connection with any treatments or products. Should you decide to try any of the procedures, treatments, or products mentioned in any episode of The Guinea Pig, you do so at your own risk. Always consult an independent and fully qualified medical professional if you are considering embarking on a medical procedure, irrespective of whether it's an invasive or non invasive procedure.